All right. Welcome back to the final season of the Supporting Actress Smackdown on the Film Experience. We're almost done with every Oscar year after years and years of doing this for Supporting Actress. We might continue with a different category. We might not. It's been really fun. So I'm really excited to start uh, the final season and uh, introduce the panel to, to be discussing the current Oscar race, uh, honoring the films of 2020 and a little bit of 2021 uh, due to the pandemic scheduling. And I'm really excited to introduce the panel, so we'll just jump right in. Uh, first of all, uh, Grace Aki, welcome. Hi, um, I am coming to you from Georgia right now. Normally I'm in New York, but I am uh, unfortunately an actor-comedian and um, also playwright as well. Uh, you can find me pretty much at all at all hours, depending on what coast you're on. Actually, just all of them at It's Grace Aki on Instagram and Twitter. It's a lot of fun, and I'm super annoying, so there you go. <laughs> and you host a podcast, too, right? I do. I host a podcast called Tell Me on a Sunday. I'm uh, working in season two of it right now. It's a storytelling podcast where I ask people like um, B.D. Wong, like, uh, why were you replaced by Donny Osmond? You know what I mean? Like, I just love for people to tell stories, uh, and, and I think it's super fun and exciting. And I'm also the host of Broadway Radio that brings you every Broadway news category from uh, what's going on with Scott Rudin to what's going on with Scott Rudin. So. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, welcome aboard. And then we have Peter Kinnett. Hi, I'm coming to you from Toronto, Canada. Um, currently, uh, finally, you guys are winning the, the pandemic wars and we're still in lockdown here and far away from getting vaccinated. So congratulations to you all. You deserve it. Um, uh, so yeah, so I used to be a film journalist for IndieWire for almost a decade. Um, now I work here in Toronto for the CBC, um, producing and writing um, some television for CBC Arts, which is like a division of the CBC. So happy to be here. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> and you are, um, you just won a Canadian Screen Award. Isn't that right? Uh, yes, uh, I won last year and then I just got nominated for a couple this year. So, I mean, yeah, it's the poor man. Canadian Emmys. <laughs> it's still so cool, though. So you can talk about award season as somebody who has been nominated for things, too. Definitely a fun little dream realized. I yeah. wish that there was a stage that I could go on. It's not over Zoom, but that's OK. <laughs> and I was excited to have you on because, like, you don't cover the Oscar race as faithfully as you used to because of your new job. So I don't even know what you think about these movies. So I'm excited to hear. I mean, it was, it was actually kind of fun to have an excuse to dig into them this way so yes thanks for the opportunity yeah and then matt negley wow he hearing all those uh resumes just now i'm like what the hell am i doing here <laughs> uh but if you do follow uh nathaniel's work over at the film experience and you might have come across uh myself and next best picture where we two track award season 24 7 365 days a year always looking for the next best picture oscar winner i'm uh the host of the next best picture podcast and Nathaniel, I've been wanting to do this with you for so many years, and I'm just so, so happy that we were finally able to make the stars align on this one. I am so, so excited to be here. Great. And then we have Jorge Molina. Hi, everyone. I'm Jorge Molina. I am coming from sunny West Hollywood. Uh, I am a screenwriter, a film uh, festival programmer. And I think most relevantly for this, uh, I am the showrunner and creator of uh, Just to be Nominated, a scripted podcast that is a murder mystery set in the world of award season campaigning. So, yeah, and, yeah, and I will ask you a couple questions about that in a minute. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then finally, last but not least, Scott Feinberg. Hi, I am also coming from West Hollywood. Uh, Jorge, I'm not sure. We could be neighbors. Who knows? Or the other side of the wall. Um, 
happy to make it in under the wire in the final season of this. Uh, I, I hope it's not the final season of this, Nathaniel, but uh, if it is, I'm glad I made the cut. Uh, and I am the awards columnist for The Hollywood Reporter. Um, I also do their podcast awards chatter and uh, a few other things. Great. I'm very excited to have you all on. So the subject, as always, is the supporting actress race because it's, well, Jorge knows the best actress is the one that people obsess over most um, because that's what your podcast is based on as well. Um, but we like to do supporting actress just because it's a less, uh, a less discussed angle, slightly less discussed. Um, and it's a way, especially for the older years, it's a way into the movies that you might not have heard about as often. Um, but this is the current Oscar race, so the conversation can go wherever it's going to go. The nominees chosen by members of the Academy's Actors Branch, actress in a supporting role. Maria Bakalova in Borat's subsequent movie film. Delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Glenn Close in Hillbilly Elegy. Olivia Coleman in The Father. Amanda Seyfried in Mank, and Ye Jung Un in Minari. Congratulations to all those nominees. I want to uh, start uh, with Grace. Uh, you mentioned uh, with Glenn Close that uh, you're from the South, and I, I take it from your uh, little write-up that you're allergic to poverty porn. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a <laughs> clinical issue. I mean, I've been hospitalized several times, and I don't think it's funny. Uh, but I have to say that, like, you know, seeing that this um, this film was going to oh, in P.S. I have a Ron Howard party every year. So I'm a big Ron Howard fan. I celebrate his birthday. We put his face on a cake. It's really aggressive. And now I know one of his daughters page, which I, I hope she doesn't like stalk my Instagram because then I'm going to be like, well, I can't ever come over. Um, but uh, I was super excited that um, they were going to make a film about uh, this particular sector of the world, except for the fact that, like, that book is shit. And um, seeing Glenn Close in this, it sucks because she's so great. And so is Amy Adams. And I'm sure that's a whole other topic for a whole nother podcast that we could all be on talking about Amy Adams in and of itself um, and especially with award season. But uh, yeah, like I, um, I had a problem with the making of this movie to begin with. So it's kind of hard to, you know, adjudicate it that way. Um, but yeah, so ah, we'll just, yeah, that's all I'll say for now. <laughs> Does anybody else have very strong feelings about watching Hillbilly Elegy to begin? Well, Peter, you weren't even going to watch it, right? Yeah, so I had no intention of watching it. But then when you emailed me last week, I actually watched The Father and Hillbilly Elegy for this podcast. They were both films that I didn't intend on watching for very different reasons. Um, but I mean, I guess because my standards or sort of my expectations were so low, um, it's a horrible movie. But I was surprised at how good Glenn Close was in it. Um, I just felt... Um, I just felt sad for her that this is sort of the situation she's in. And I, but I don't think she should be embarrassed for her work either. And the Razzie nomination is just mean. Like, she's good. She elevates horrible material as best she can. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, like, <laughs> that, that Terminator conversation, which they used, I can't even believe they used in the trailer, but it's just so, <laughs> I'm like a huge Terminator nut. It's like the one non-actressy thing about me in terms of my film obsessions. and 
not the only non-actressy thing, but it's it's an alarmingly, uh, I guess, straight man thing, even though I'm not a straight man, <laughs> to be obsessed with Terminator. But um, I just thought that even that speech, I was like, what? what is this dialogue? Um, Jorge, uh, how do you feel about Glenn Close, her career? I don't actually know this. I I don't have any passionate attachments to her. Um, I think she is one of the great American actresses. Uh, but I, like my horse in this race is, it's not hers. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think, and I think I mentioned this in the little blurb I sent you, I think she's the only nominee in the category that shines despite of the material and not because of it. Um, and that's really unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, I think she's like the one silver lining in that movie. Um, I, yeah, but, but, yeah, I, I'm not one of those, you know, who get her an Oscar regardless of the performance. I would have liked, I would like it to be for something that feels a little more meatier and worthy of where her career has led up to. Mm-hmm. AKA okay, 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> Uh, now, Scott, you've been tracking the Oscars for super long, just like me. Um, so did you, at the beginning of the season, did you think that Glenn had this sewn up? I mean, the the book is certainly, um, I, I will say I had not read it, but uh, I was aware that this was considered to be, you know, prestige uh, material. It's the sort of thing where she was going to have a colorful um, part. You know, Ron Howard, I know for the last few years has been hit or miss, but he does have some, you know, few years back, uh, had, had some, some Oscar traction. So I thought, you know, maybe, especially after the, after what happened with the wife where, you know, the whole world thought she had it and then did not. I thought, you know, she doesn't even have to give people a great excuse to vote for her. She just needs to give them an excuse. Um, <laughs> and then they, you know, then I saw the movie. <laughs> And uh, I realized that this is going to be a little trickier. And look, there are people who have won sort of overdue career recognizing Oscars for mediocre, not their best work. But this would be stretching that. I mean, this is it, it's again, I agree with everyone who said she was as good as she could be in this project. But it's almost embarrassed. I, I, I don't, I think that it is the first time where someone's been nominated or awarded a Razzie at the same time they've been, you know, for an Oscar as well. I, I just, I'm not quite sure the voters are going to be able to bring themselves to do it for this, for this performance. Um, just quickly, I think there's two other ones, right? Amy Irving and Yentl and yeah. someone else. Anyway, just there, no, that's good. That's good trivia. Thank you. Well, we just, and even that was ridiculous. It's like, it's clear, like the Razzies, you know, they are what they are. <laughs> but a lot of times it's just, it's just them being mean about particular movies. It's not like they're actually have aesthetic opinions about the art of acting, if you will. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, it's like with Glenn Close in this movie in particular, I personally had felt that the knives were out for her and Amy and really anyone associated with this movie, regardless if they were doing great work. So they were kind of victims of 
I think what was definitely uh, more so anger and resentment towards the material than anything. So it's kind of astonishing that she was able to rise above the film's poor reviews and still get these nominations, including the Oscar nomination itself. But then again, that's just the power of Glenn Close and she's a mainstay uh, with us all. And yeah, I can understand why some people thought that this was more of a, Oh, default check the box nomination, another one for Glenn and she's going to lose because there was this feeling after the wife where it felt like, okay, the next time she gets nominated, she has to win. They're not going to just nominate her just to make her lose again. Right. And I've even heard people make these crazy theories up about how she doesn't even need to win any of the major precursors in the lead up to this year because she already did that. So early ago to the point where it's like, Yo, I understand people's attention spans are, you know, pretty short and all, but I don't know, like a, a residual makeup win like that. Uh, and, and at the same time, it's hard for me to even imagine her going through the whole song and dance all over again, even next year or the year after that, winning Globe, winning SAG, winning Critics' Choice, like having to do it all over again. It, it just feels like the moment was there with the wife. It left, and I unfortunately do believe that she is going to be Peter O'Toole, and I think she'll get it honorary someday at this point. Can you imagine if she loses again to Olivia Coleman? <laughs> <laughs> That'll become like the Annette Benning and Hillary Swank yeah, thing. Right, right. Yep. will obsess over it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you have to hand it to her that she is such a good sport about these things. Like, it's yeah. this whole new it's this whole new element of being a celebrity now that, you know, just even 10 years ago, like the, the social media presence, you know, every celebrity now has Instagram and all that. And she's so good at it. And, you know, people are always, um, you know, people assume that once people are over a certain age, they aren't going to be good at things like that. But she's, she's better than a lot of like young celebrities at the social media stuff. She's so fun. Her and Annie Lennox, I would watch all of their dumb videos. Like, all of them are taken truly like this, like this close to the face. And it's just, it's iconic. And I'm like, more of these, a little, you know, more middle-aged, like, white women need to get on the Instagram and TikTok because Shania Twain is killing it, and they're coming for her. So, I'm just saying. I think also, too, people read too much into her reaction when she did lose to Olivia Coleman at the Oscars. Like, everyone I know, like, zoomed in on her face and she had that, well, there we go, kind of, like, reaction. And otherwise, if you look at, like, uh, this past year with all the Zooms and such, whenever they uh, show her, she's ecstatic for the other people that are winning. And she's just so full of joy for them that, uh, yeah, she's she's... Honestly, I I, I, it, I do feel bad for her, but at the same time, it's hard to feel bad for her because she's not making me want to feel bad for her, you know? Yeah. I'm going to just beg to differ slightly on that one because I, I think that in that year, everyone had finally, you know, convinced her that she would, this was her uh, time. And, you know, she had essentially won everything except the BAFTA, yep, um, yep. which was the end. And, and so I'll, I'll give you one little kind of behind little weird tidbit was that so you know that year I was I was covering the show from inside and there was a woman in front of me when Glenn Close lost she got up and was crying and had to her husband was comforting her and she ran out of the room and I was like what the 
fuck? <laughs> and uh, the guy next to me said, that's Glenn Close's daughter. And I felt oh. so bad because, you know, basically you're, you know, the, the, the each nominee sits with one guest down on the good seats. Then they get sometimes additional seats up each layer up. And so that's why she was with the, the peasants like me. Uh, but it, look, I think that it was one of these things where they knew in the family, like the clock is ticking and how many more great roles do you get in Hollywood at that age? Um, I'm not defending that situation. It's just the reality of it. And so I think that it was, I think it was pretty crushing, but I give her a lot of credit because she, changed their dress. She showed up at the governor's uh, award governor's ball after the show and was doing what you're saying, just being very gracious, but it's just got to feel like a punch when you've been, when everybody in the world is telling you, you've got this, it's a lock. And then that happens. Yeah. What I really resent about this sort of like narrative of desperation around her, because it, she has been like yeah. endlessly classy through all this. I don't think anybody else could have done it as well as she did. And I do think things have changed a bit for actresses her age and I do think people are going to rally around her and keep giving her roles my very optimistic uh, sort of dream is that she loses for uh Kibbley LG and two or three years later she wins a lead actress Oscar and it's the biggest mm-hmm. deal and it's the moment she deserves and we can all just uh lay that to rest I hope so yeah I mean she's already in the in the history books right so like that's the other thing oh yeah a lot of a lot of people like yeah, and it and it's probably not easy also to deal with the whole expectations of an entire industry on your shoulders, you know. Apart from dealing with actual, you know, the loss, but you know, the whole narrative of like, oh, poor Glenn, you know, like that. <laughs> uh, in on top of like whatever her personal feelings are about the matter, just like there's an entire industry of people that are projecting their hopes and dreams onto her, which, you know, would not be the easiest thing in the world either. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about Yun uh, uh, Yujung uh, from Minari. Um, when she won SAG, Glenn was ecstatic for her. It's a natural segue because who wouldn't be? Because I think, from your ballots that you've sent to me before we're talking, everybody really loved her as the grandmother at Sunja in uh, Minari. Um, but that would be extremely rare. And all you Oscar history nerds and trivia nerds, like people don't win for foreign language performances in the sporting categories. It's happened like fully once, I believe, um, with a fully foreign language performance with Valentina Cortez. Um, in supporting actress. So it just doesn't happen, but it seems like, well, we're recording this uh, for you listeners. We're recording this on the morning of BAFTA. So we don't know who's won BAFTA yet. Um, but it seems like the momentum is in her favor to win the Oscar thoughts from anyone. I think that if either her or Maria Vakalova wins BAFTA, I do think that um, one of them is the, the person that wins BAFTA is going on to win the Oscar at that point. Uh, but I have to admit that rewarding Yoon Yoon Jung, who's considered the Meryl Streep of uh, South Korea, 
and is someone who has been working for so many years and is really a, such a beloved element of this movie. As you mentioned, the whole panel here seems to be in agreement of that. Everyone I talk to seems to be in agreement of that. And I also feel that if you want to reward Minari with something, this is the best way to do it on your Oscar ballot. So my gut tells me that she's got this and I think it would be fully deserving because she made us laugh. She broke our hearts. She made our hearts full again. I thought she was to quote the movie, just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And I I think apart from being a completely deserving performance, she, she kind of happens to fall at the right place at the right time. Uh, You know, following last year's, Parasite win that had no like no acting nominations. I think that still lingers on on people's mind. Um, and you know, I I I don't want to be too like cynical, but like the cultural conversation around you know the Asian American community, I think probably does linger a little bit on some voters' mind uh, and how to you know uh, uh, maybe make the balances a little bit more equal on the on the whatever they the role they can play. Uh, again, not to say that her performance is undeserving at all. I think it would be a completely deserved performance, but I think there's a lot of other factors outside that are also like helping her gain that momentum as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, right, no, go ahead, Peter. <laughs> um, I was going to say that, yeah, like despite the historical statistic that you note, um, everything else seems to be going in her favor, including the fact that it seems to be a lot of people's favorite performance, like across all categories. She does something so unexpected with that performance. And I found myself laughing and crying almost at the same time, which is such a rare thing for someone to offer us. And it just, it's just that movie is already such a gift, but she is the gift of sort of on top of all of it. And I just, I really, maybe again, I'm I'm being too optimistic, but I I really think she's going to win. Yeah. And I mean, you can also kind of work it backwards, the logic in a sense where it's like, Glenn Close, people I could see, have, you know, this is just not a movie that a lot of people are going to be comfortable voting for, or maybe even maybe not even having watched uh, based on how dumped on it's been. Um, Olivia Coleman's recently won. Um, Maria Bakalova, you know, she's great, but it's a new she's new. It's sort of like there's not I, I don't think there's any sort of urgency to to recognize her. Um, and then. Um, who am I blanking on right now? Amanda. Amanda. Yeah, Amanda. I mean, there is <laughs> For good reason. Yeah. Like she there is a uh, you know, in in years past like that's sort of the more conventional Oscar choice that she's like the pretty up and coming starlet, but um I don't know. So I, I anyway, I just think that I agree with everyone. It's like you don't need much of an excuse to vote for Yung, and uh, I think that uh, I, I, I'm feeling increasingly good, but I agree. Bath is going to be the tell. Yeah. Well, there's I'm, been, oh, go oh, ahead. Grace. No, 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 no. Like I, uh, during all of this, um, I'm, I'm a Japanese American first gen, what have you. Um, I don't know a single person I texted within my Asian fam and or friend fam that said, that's my grandmother. Like, regardless, Korean, Chinese, like, it didn't matter. Like, it was just like, I was just so shocked at how perfectly uh, well she encapsulated, like, Asian immigrant grandparents and, like, had a full range. I think she was the most perfect of, of our category today of, of all the other actresses. 
of a supporting actress nomination. Like literally she got the opportunity to have a range in the film and was a supporting actor. You know what I mean? And so like I personally, Viola Davis to me should have been nominated in this category and not best actress. So I think that that would be the biggest contender. That would be a different conversation for today would be Viola Davis and her. Um, Additionally, to me, it's not a foreign language film. She was speaking in a different language, but this is an American film. Mm, So like, I I want us to be able to recognize that going forward to say like, Oh, this is an American story. And she just happens to be speaking in another language most of the time. Uh, So I just, I, I bawled. I bawled when I heard that she even got a nomination because I thought so many people will see this and see that they have a chance. So I I have a lot of feelings besides her performance about this nomination. But then on top of that, we can all agree her performance is fucking spectacular. So it makes me sick that we even have to like talk about other people's performances because I'm like, yeah, for sure, for sure. But like also if she doesn't win, I might throw myself off a balcony. Like I don't know. I just I don't know what I'm gonna do. But um yeah, I just can't speak more highly of a performance this season. I really can't. Yeah, and I, I think that's um exactly one of the reasons she'll win because it's like it, it this season's reminding me a little bit of two thousand seven, the supporting actress race where pe- different people kept winning. Oh, yeah. Um and then it came down to, which it doesn't always, as we know, for all of us who love the Oscars, it doesn't always come down to thought feelings about how good a performance actually is. Um, but when Tilda Swinton won for Michael Clayton, it was kind of like the class of the category. Like everybody's like, that is a spectacular performance. So it's not, um, so I think this, it's something that we're going to, everybody's going to feel good about for reasons that aren't the performance, but the performance itself is totally deserving too, which is kind of like a rare in some ways when that, when that meets. Um, And also just be nice to make Oscar history again, because the only Asian winner uh, among women is Miyoshi uh, Umeki from Sayonara, which uh, we covered on this podcast last season. Um, And she, she also won the SmackDown. Um, People thought she was the best in the category, but the role itself was very sort of stereotypical and the sort of submissive Asian wife. And like, this has like the full range of feeling. It's just like a full character. So it's, it's really nice to see this happen. The other thing too, I just wanted to mention this and throw this out there is that uh, her film is one of the uh, few in the category. Uh, there's only three uh, that have a best picture nomination. And I think about Tilda Swinton's win a lot. Cause I, often asked myself, well, what gave her the edge was the fact that BAFTA happened last and she was the last person to win. Uh, so she had late surge momentum. And the other thing you could consider is Michael Clayton had a best picture nomination and it was probably the most widely seen of that entire category. So I think that does benefit uh, Amanda, Olivia and Yoon Jung, but Amanda and Olivia haven't really, uh, they haven't really been able to rally passionate support the way Yu Yun Jung has. So it's just another, it's another factor to consider that I think gives her the advantage. Yeah. Grace, I have to ask about your feelings about Amanda because, because what you sent to me when, uh, you know, I asked you your feelings on this category um, before we did the podcast, all you wrote was no. (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) Oh no. Um, it's no offense to Amanda. Um, she's adorable. I loved Mamma Mia. Um, but the thing is, yes, 
Jorge's another um, huge Mamma Mia fan. <laughs> here we go again with Amanda. Um, I thought that her performance in Mean Girls was more warranting of a supporting actress nomination. I don't think this, I think it's unfortunate because again, I'm, I don't want to penalize her. I don't, I just don't think that the role warrants any kind of recognition. I think she was like fine and lovely and like adorable, um, you know, old accent, like great, good job. But um I'm not, I just, I'm, I'm really baffled by her nomination to be frank. I know that this works very differently. You know, award season is, you know, a bot thing. And like, you know, where like Mank is like theater people's like, you know, jerk off music, but like, I don't, I don't know exactly what we're nominating her for as an actor. I'm like, you did your job, but I was not uh, moved or stunned or any of the things I think normally go with a nomination nominating performance. That's I just didn't feel the need to write on it. It just uh, no. I'll well, defend her a little bit. I, I think she was I think she was surprised. I never in a million years thought I'd ever see Amanda Seyfried as an Oscar nominee. I just not not prior to this film. I just our second thought, Mean Girls nominee. Yeah, right. She's and, not, so who's yeah. next? We got to write something for Lacey Chabert. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, I I think that um, coming away from that movie, I know a lot of people were felt it was, it left them a little cold. It was, it doesn't, it's, it's a film geeks kind of movie. But beyond that, I I know a lot of people who say they, they just were not interested, but I, I felt that, um, you know, she did a better than better than competent job. And I don't think she necessarily uh, at all should win. I've said who I do, but I think that, you know, it was not, it was not a great year for this, for this category. I don't think there, was there anyone who was like robbed of a slot? I can't, not that I recall. I mean, I think there were people who I, I personally love Amanda Seyfried in this movie. Um, just because I, I think she really captures the sort of old Hollywood flavor of that type of star and, and yeah. that level of star. Like that, I think, I think there's some subtle things that she does with it that are really nice, but I, I do think she got the momentum for the nomination just because the movie was going to be nominated across the board because celebration of old Hollywood and all the crafts and, and all that. So, um, and it helps. It always helps if you have a lead actor who is also getting on the ballot. Um, but I actually really loved her in the movie, um, and I'm just happy for Mean Girls to um, continue <laughs> to affect culture in this way. Yeah, I, I'm also I'm a, I'm a huge Amanda Seyfried fan. Uh, I think. I mean, I think it's wild. I guess this is the nomination is a win for her. I do think this is like a huge step up in her career. Like it's it's a it's gonna change the trajectory of of whatever she does next like completely I think um, I think yeah like Scott said the movie left me I mean cold I think it's a bit reductive but it is a very you know technical movie that you know it, it's about it's a very cerebral movie I'll call it up uh, and I do think she's the heart of it I think whenever she is on screen like it, it lights up. Um, and 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 I also really liked that she didn't kind of have to transform herself in order to give this performance. It's like she's utilizing the things that she's always used in past performances. Um, you know how kind of like this like even dumbness from Mean Girls that she kind of like gives it a little more of like 
melancholy melancholy wow well, here i am like uh uh jake shillen calling it uh <laughs> um yeah so uh yeah and and you know her eyes i don't know i i think it's 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 how she uses the talent she already had in 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 a different way that i that i liked a lot uh but yeah i i don't think it's the best performance in the category i do think it's, it's just like but I'm thrilled I can say the words Oscar nominee and I'm a Siegfried and I can't <laughs> wait to see, you know, what doors open for her because, uh, you know, I, you know, like uh, two weeks after nomination, she got announced as the lead of, you know, the Hulu series and um, she's now campaigning for the Wicked movie, which, you know, I will be picketing for it. Um, yeah, she is 35. Oz does not <laughs> need Glinda to be 35. Love you, not an agent, but like settle down. We need Zendaya or someone else. Sorry, next. I'm hoping. We really? Are you are you really yeah. sure you don't have something against Amanda Grace? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I really enjoy her. I just think we've got to give her better gifts. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that we can do better by her for her nominations and like her what, what we give her because I think she is really great. Um, again, love Mamma Mia, love her and Liz, even though her vibrato is intense. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I think I think we can do well by her. But Scott, to your point about people that were shafted from this category i truly think viola davis should be in this category because i don't believe that she was um enough of a a scene in the film ma rainey to be considered a best actress i think that she should have been in this category and that way it would have been more fraught and um it would have been more understandable for me so that to me is the, is the big miss for people that were shafted but she's she's nominated for best actress i think she'll be fine yeah, I mean, I have the op- the opposite feeling. I I think if anything's borderline, it should always be lead. That's my personal uh feeling about it. Um, and so like the people I'm missing in the category, I, we're never going to get nominated. So I didn't have to be. Um, you know, I thought Essie Davis was like just tremendous in um True History of the Kelly Gang, but it's not like they were going to watch this obscure Australian movie for uh the Oscars and um. And I loved Valerie Mahaffey and French Exit. Yeah. Um, but French Exit did not really have the support. It couldn't even get Michelle Pfeiffer going for Sniffle for me, my favorite actor. I thought that one might bother you a little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, Scott, by the way, thank you for interviewing her. You <laughs> uh, A nice, like a full uh, Michelle experience for me. Um, there's something that Jorge said a second ago about um, Amanda and her performance in Mank that I uh, just want to comment on really quick because I personally have never really felt like I've ever seen Amanda Seyfried transform into a role before. And this was like the first time that I ever watched her on screen and I completely forgot that she was who she was. And I really did feel like she was inhabiting an entirely different person, just like in her cadence and her posture, the makeup, obviously being shot in black and white. Uh, there's just so many different factors here that it, for me, like it, I looked at it from all these perspectives of even though she missed SAG and she missed BAFTA, I was like, right time in her career. Uh, it's the right movie. It's the right role. And I let me tell you, if she had one or two scenes more in that movie and they were big scenes like you know the quote-unquote oscar clip scenes um she could be contending for a win but i always felt it was going to be a nomination is the reward type of um you know nomination for her and i'm really really happy for her as well as many people have stated um i think that with this and first reformed she's 
entering into a new chapter in her career, one that I think is going to, I know everyone loves and remembers her for Mean Girls, but I don't think that she wants to be always remembered for just that. So I, I, I love the, um, the diverse roles that she's uh, playing and where she's really getting a chance to showcase her range and what she could really do to, for all of us. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. And also someone earlier said that Glenn Close was the only person that elevated the material. And I think Amanda did, too. And also, whenever she was doing sort of duets with Gary Oldman, I thought that brought out the best in Gary Oldman. And she elevated oh, his performance, yeah. mm-hmm. too. And also, she's dealing with so much history and complicated history with this character. And she didn't have much to convey sort of this representation that there's a lot of weight on her shoulders in terms of sort of um, giving Marion Davies the history that she deserves. And I think she, yeah, I, I love this performance. I don't think she deserves to win, but I'm very happy that she's nominated. Yeah, she actually, um, the, to Matt's point about her uh, lack of a couple more scenes to make her like an actual contender, um, she does have the least screen time of any of these nominees. Um, there you go. Yeah, so, and it's also, um, it also made me think of what happened with Charles Dance because when I first heard about the movie, I was like, oh, Charles Dance is finally going to get his Same. nomination. He's been around <laughs> for decades and he's, you know, playing her. So he's, he's going to, you know, be a nominee. Um, but he just, he just wasn't, he only had, you know, three scenes or something. Nathaniel, when he puts his arm around Gary Oldman, he's walking with him to the hallway. I was like, this is it. Yeah. This is Charles <laughs> Dance's scene. And then like the scene ends and I was like, that was it? Crap. <laughs> it's not enough. Yeah. I mean, if if I, I realize it would be a completely different movie, but if Mank had been more focused on that part of the story, um, then yeah, I, I think, think the, the yeah the my biggest problem with that was that this protagonist was completely the weakest part of. The movie. Oh, see, I'm uh, a Gary Oldman defender for this movie, oh, but yeah, I, I totally no, get it but, though. I totally understand it. Yeah. Well, I, I, another reason I was surprised at, at Grace at your reaction for this is totally silly, but one of the reasons I was surprised at your reaction of Amanda was you you've done musical theater, and I I, I like to every year I like to imagine the Oscar nominees as musicals just because I'm <laughs> obsessed, and I was like, oh, Make would be the the musical of any of these. <laughs> It would be, and I mean, even like the, when they throw in you know Forty Second Street and how much she loved it, I was like, do that, cut to that. <laughs> Like, bitch, I'd love to see you do that right now. Like, I again, like, I think that I could have enjoyed her if she had just broken into song or something. And again, I think you guys are right. I like the point about if she had had a couple of more scenes, I think. But you're right. The, the scenes with Gary Oldman are the strongest. And you kind of see this beautiful friendship. And it's, um, yeah, but truly, that would be the musical. And I can't wait to see it. <laughs> and guys, I would just say, don't counter out like i have seen i've just been gauging uh the like how much these guys have actually been doing in terms of the campaigning i i don't i don't think anyone in the whole race has done more q a's more you know and i'm not saying i'm not saying it's the right way that these things should be decided or whatever but it's just the reality of it and i i would not be shocked if she won wow that i'm shocked to hear that though (laughs) Every Mac billboard in West Hollywood just features her. Like, there's no signs of uh, Gary Oldman anywhere. Right. I also get that, like, neighborhood targeting, you know? Right. Uh, but, <laughs> the, you yeah. know, hey, it's working for me. Uh, <laughs> I think if you, I think if Union Jung does not win at BAFTA later today, I do think that there is an opening for her uh, because Union Jung's hold on the category won't be solidified. Um, and... I can't help but feel that with 10 nominations, 
there is like this weird there's like this weird sense that I'm getting that people feel that Mike needs to win something else other than production design. I, I, I don't know if it's another tech category or if it is just Amanda. And there's also something to be said, like I said before, uh, for the fact that Mank is going to be widely seen because it does have so many nominations. And if they're watching, they're going to see her. So, uh, like, yeah, I, Scott, Scott, when I first heard the prediction, I like I like honestly, I was like, no way. She's like third or fourth in the category. But the more <laughs> I think about it, the more I'm like, you know, in a year where it's this split. It, it does leave room for a surprise to happen. And I think she's the most, I think she's the one that makes the most sense for a, an upset. If there is one. Wow. If, if there is an upset that big though, I'm sensing Jorge. <laughs> it's your murder mystery podcast, which we should talk about a little. <laughs> yeah. Well, is, also that, I would, that, say, would, like, that if, would add a lot of drama. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say if she wins, my favorite stat would be completed in that, the three generations of the Mamma Mia women would have beaten Glenn Close. <laughs> oh so, my god. I was just gonna say the Meryl of it all. Yeah, but like Cher Meryl and now Amanda would have beaten Glenn Close and then I would ascend. So um, Can I just say I would like to see that musical as well. <laughs> Cher is one of the people that moderated an Amanda Q and A. So she's out there, you know, she, Yeah. <laughs> wow. She 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 tweeted in all caps. For her, and you know, <laughs> so funny. But did Jorge, since you're doing this yes. podcast right now, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is all about this drama and machinations mm-hmm. of campaigns or whatever, do you often like fantasize about what's going on behind the scenes for these things? Do I often fantasize about murder? Uh, is that your <laughs> no, question? no about about <laughs> the drama and the gossip of like how oh, volatile totally. the behind I mean, the scenes stuff is? That's that's the fun part, you know, it's like what's, you know, what's being said after the Q and A's are done. And like in those Academy luncheons where they're all like seated with each other, like what's, what's being said. Yeah, no, totally. That's, that's the little script I write in my head all the time. Um, <laughs> so yes. Yeah, and Scott, since you're in the thick of it, actually with the Hollywood reporter, do you, do you sense that people are, withholding when they talk to you a little bit do you think there's more drama than we ever hear i mean this year i i'm i think there's less drama than ever uh you know they're never in they're not in any of these rooms together and in fact mm-hmm. i've had um i've had a, a one person was like and, and it sort of was representative of what a lot of other people have have mentioned and was that like the top contender this year is apathy people are just not as engaged they um, you know, haven't seen these movies on the big screen. In most cases, they are not, there are not many kind of movies of any scale that are in the mix. I think that, you know, the Academy would never share this information, but I would guess it's going to be maybe the lowest percentage of voter participation in a long time, maybe ever. So that also is a wild card here that, you know, it, I, I think the, the point that was made earlier, I think by Matt is that, and this is what what I believe did in Glenn Close with the wife is that it was not a movie that had any. I, 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 did it have one other nomination? I don't think it had nope. uh, none. So right. So what happens is if you're watching, if you the more you expand the pool of voters, and the more you bring in younger, uh, active people who are active in their career, I actually think that the number of movies they watch decreases. 
And therefore, the ones that get prioritized are the ones that are sort of across the board contenders. And so I think that means that a movie like The Wife is not at the top of the pile and maybe in some cases doesn't even get watched. And in this year, you know, that's, again, why I think the point about them being, you know, the ones that are from a Best Picture nominee, I definitely do think that's as much of an advantage as ever. I'm always sad to hear this. I, I understand what you're saying, <laughs> but I'm all, but I'm so obsessive about movies and the Oscars that I'm always like, wait, why don't why don't they watch everything? <laughs> I, I understand they have careers, the, uh, but all of us have jobs. You know, like everybody has like hours that they have to work. You know, I just I just finished watching the shorts uh, yesterday, yeah. so like I'm 100 percent completed now with all the nominations, <laughs> and I'm like, nice. yes. <laughs> I would guess, by the way, that. Probably 5% of the Academy will be able to say the same thing when they vote. I fully believe it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I do remember, like, here in New York, the campaigning is not as intense. But um, back in the before times, uh, before pandemic, I would get invited to a lot of, like, Academy luncheons and things here. And, you know, see, sit in the rooms and you talk to people who you, who aren't famous but are part of the Academy. And... I, I'm, I was constantly having to explain to people what movies were about. I was like, oh, have you seen this? And they're like, what's that? And I was like, how is this possible? My, my favorite one of that, we might have been at the same thing. This was when I was still living in New York. Now it was the Academy member that was saying, I, I've been told I need to see X, Y, and the Foot Locker instead of the Hurt Locker. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. And this was late in the season. That is sobering. Yeah. <laughs> that just hurt my soul. Okay. Right. I just realized we haven't talked about Olivia Coleman. We've talked about everybody else. Um, now, uh, Peter, or Maria. We haven't talked about Maria. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, Maria. Yeah. Um, so, but let's do Olivia first. Um, now, Peter, you resisted watching this, I think, because of the pandemic and how depressing it was. I mean, I didn't want to watch the Dementia movie. I mean, same reason I didn't watch Supernova and never will. Um, it's just it's not what I want right now. But I mean, I, I was surprised at how much it didn't crush me. Ultimately, it's a it's a really great film and it's so yeah. meticulously made. And I was I was so impressed by I mean, both Olivia and Anthony Hopkins is just extraordinary in it. Um, so there was something about it that even though I you know cried a little bit and definitely um, felt deeply affected by it in a way I didn't want to. Um, there was something about the filmmaking that was so impressive that it sort of uh, alleviated any sort of uh, depressing elements that I came out of it with. And Olivia is incredible. And what she does with her eyes and what she it's just it, that film is such a dance. And what she has to perform, it's all these different things because we're not quite sure what's going on. And it's like she's performing for him, maybe or maybe this is what he's seeing of her. It's so complex. And um, I, I, I really thought she was incredible. And if she hadn't won for the favorite a couple of years ago, I think there would be a really solid chance that she'd win now. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was, I was floored by the filmmaking on this and also yeah. because it's the first film uh, that I was, I, I was like, how is Florian Zeller this good at filmmaking yeah. when he was already this good of a playwright? Um, because there are such different skills. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a really fantastic movie. But, but I, I, that resistance is definitely there. I live with, uh, I was going to say I watched with my best friend, but I, he's also my roommate. It's pandemic. <laughs> and he was just like, we are not watching another dementia movie because there were so many, so many movies like Supernova. And I forget what else, but there was like 
three or four in some of them were more obscure than others, but there were so many recently justice for Dick Johnson is dead. Oh yeah. 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 Dick Johnson. And, uh, and my best friend was like, I cannot believe you're making me sit through another dimension movie. And I'm like, I'm sorry. But then he was like, that was so good. So there is resistance to it in that way. Yeah. I I was, Go ahead, Ray. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I was floored by the father. It like it's top three movie of the year for me. Uh, if if it were me, I would give it editing, production design, the production design that like blew me away. And Olivia is is my favorite performance of the five nominated. Um, I I would give her the win if if it was an isolated vote and you know it was only based on uh, performance. Um, yeah, I I think um. Yeah, what what uh, Peter said about yeah, what she does with her eyes, and I I mean the movie's so constructed to be sub- a subjective experience, and yet she feels like like an anchor to the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Like she, I think when she's on screen is the only one time where we can kind of like gr- grasp reality, like the reality of 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 this. Like it feels so disorienting elsewhere, and when she's there, it's like okay, she's there, like. She made me feel safe watching it. It's like, okay, as long as she's on screen, like, I'll be okay. Um, and yeah, it, it, like the, the, it's, she's loving, but feels sorry for him at the same time, just without saying anything. I could just like keep on going. I, I loved it so, so much. That's, I mean, I didn't even think about that, but that's such an incredible point that when she's on screen, he feels safe because I did feel that, but that's like when she's in the room, he feels safe. So it's like all, it's just, Again, I've just watched this last night, so I'm still sort of uh, unraveling it. But like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's yeah, it's incredible filmmaking, truly. Yeah. Also, I think it's like some of the most uh, nuanced work of the category as well, which is uh, obviously something that I think is uh, in short supply sometimes with Oscar-nominated performances. <laughs> uh, but whenever he mentions his other daughter, uh, Lucy. And they cut to a close up on Olivia Coleman's face. The subtle reactions that she has um, are just completely devastating on so many different levels. And I, I absolutely love also what was just said about um, her making us feel safe anytime that she's on screen, because I think she endeared herself to so many of us on a personal level uh, through her 2018 Oscar campaign run that. Now, when we see Olivia Coleman, we're like, oh, she's such a joy. What a delight. We love her. Yay. <laughs> and so whenever she's on screen, we have that attachment to her. And and then, of course, there's Fleabag because, you know, Fleabag is just amazing. Um, but if but, you think uh, about the yeah. range of those, even those three performances, yeah. it's, uh, uh, it's spectacular. Name another range. that can do it like her with Seriously. Fleabag <laughs> and then the favorite and then this. I'm so mm-hmm. glad that you said that. <laughs> I showed the movie to uh, my the parents and they said the same thing. They were like, now that's an actress. If she could do those three roles, <laughs> oh, you know, and they just they're in love with her. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to see her becoming like a, a perennial, like nominated every other year or something. Totally. You know, I I think what what we saw in The Father is the perfect example of like, oh, look, a play, a good ass play. These actors that can play in a play, you know, these, yeah. this was theater. It was like a pro shot that was just extremely well done, in my opinion. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if we were all sitting at the Broadhurst Theater watching this would be like holy shit like shoot they nailed it so yeah. i think that that's a perfect that's what we want in a film we want it to be like that level of um 
of, of acting. So I'm, I'm so glad I will say though, I feel like all of that could have happened in 45 minutes. That's just me. Um, <laughs> like, I think we could have gotten the point, uh, <laughs> some repetition, which I'm like, I mean, that is dementia. We've all, I mean, like we've all had, I don't know if I don't speak for everyone here, but I personally had like four grandparents that dealt with different levels of Alzheimer's and whatnot. And that was painful, Peter. Like I understand the hesitation. I did not want to watch it. I had to watch it for another thing that I was covering um, on the father. And I was like, do I have to, it's going to be painful, but I'm glad that you said that Jorge about feeling safe because it was such a perfect performance of like, thank you for being my weighted blanket throughout this. (laughs) It was great. Yeah. 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 I agree that um, she probably would have been in contention for the win if, if the favorite hadn't happened. And then Glenn would also be a winner. So <laughs> then we solved, uh, killed two birds with one stone. Maria Bak- Bakalova, who saved her for last. Another performance that everybody seems crazy about um, in on uh, different levels. Like some people think it's spectacular. Others think that was really good. Um, you have to, I mean, that is a high wire performance. So I, I think the, you know, a lot of times actors get called brave and you're like, was that brave or was that role just sort of out there? But this is brave. <laughs> this is brave acting. Yeah. I, I can't agree more with that. I, I, I have to admit, I was definitely one of the skeptics because I thought to myself, well, there's no way this is going to come anywhere near best picture. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know how close it was, but it seemed like it was getting pretty close at times. Um, and then also, too, and this is obviously early on, I thought to myself, oh, she'll probably just be a breakout star and she'll get like breakthrough citations. I don't think she'll contend in the sporting category. But then the critics groups really, really went to bat for her in a way that gave Amazon uh, all the confidence in the world to give her this massive campaign that was just honestly so pitch perfect. And I'm really genuinely happy for her. My, my, my skepticism was always just about this type of comedic performance, one that is so raunchy and bold. And like you said, Nathaniel, daring that I thought that some Academy members who are more highbrow would look down upon it as they have with other genre uh, type of performances and films in the past. So for me, it was never about like, I don't support her and I don't want her to see her get nominated. No, it was more about, I just like have a hard time seeing it happening. Oh, but I did. I did me, too. I was also, yeah, I think a bunch of yeah. us did totally. But the fact that she's here, I, I could not be more excited uh, for her to get that nomination because it's once again, yet another example that we've seen, I think over the last couple of years with movies like Mad Max Fury Road, Black Panther, Joker, like these very popular genre movies that normally wouldn't get um, Academy recognition, you're hoping that it will continue to open more doors for more types of performances, more types of genre-based filmmaking. Um, and hopefully that will expand even more horizons from there. So I'm super, super stoked for her. Yeah. 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 I, I don't do a Borat. I was very uh, resistant to that. Uh, that was the last performance I watched and I watched it solely because of of this um <laughs> but i was i was actually quite surprised and a bit humiliated about how much i enjoyed it uh that movie as a whole um and i think it, it's entirely because of her like it's the way she, yeah she anchors it and 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 turns this like satire into a father-daughter story is it's quite striking and yeah i mean besides the like 
cringe comedy she does. Like that bit with the Republican women is is you know I had to like watch through my fingers. But uh, yeah, the the fact that it's an arc about like a woman finding agency is it's I don't know. I was really surprised by it. Um, yeah, I, and I love that it's a recognition of like more comedic performances and especially this type of quote unquote. I mean, like, bro-y, like, raunchy uh, uh, comedy. Uh, I-, I love that it's here, and I love that it's for this performance. And I think, like, at Amanda, like, it's the nomination is definitely the win for her, especially for her. Is this her, fil- her film debut? No. Or No? No. Okay. She made movies in Bulgaria before. I mean, it's, okay. it's, like, obviously her mainstream breakthrough. Yeah, it's like, well, for being, like, her breakout role, yeah. it's, it's still, like, pretty exciting, and I... I'm really excited to see what she does next. I do think this is, she's one of the people that like, I feel was more robbed of a like introduction to Hollywood through the pandemic year. Like, yeah, I would have liked her to see moving in those rooms and like interacting with other people and like presenting some stuff. Uh, Cause you know, we just got her to see on like little zoom squares, but uh, I feel like in a regular year, she would have like, made a much bigger impression than yeah. she did. That's something we'll never know about this year, right? And and it's and I keep thinking about it because you know, we we always talk about it like red carpet appearances and talk shows and all these things how they affect people's perception of actors. Like even thinking back to like when you see someone who you're unfamiliar with like Maria Bakalova and when you see them on like talk shows sitting on couches and stuff and if they're very different than the characters it adds this whole lot like i remember the the precious campaign for gabby sidibe and just being shocked because of course she was completely unknown and she's a a thousand times different than that character and so then it just and but but without all those traditional signposts along the way like we'll never know how that how that affected the season i think you nailed it though about that it's 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 the the value of that is showing the contrast between the real person and the performance. And you see that that person had to work, especially when it's an un, you know, what does anyone know about the actual Maria Bakalova? I remember right. coming out of the movie and I was like, it, how old is she? Is she even, <laughs> uh, is she even foreign or is that an right. like, I knew nothing. Right. And I think the reality again is that not, especially in the year of the pandemic when she's not, you know, her story's not getting out there as easily. I don't know that people knowing less about her is going to help her. I think if they had, I totally agree with the point that I think Jorge made that um, if she were at other events and doing the glad, like she's, she's clearly willing. She's uh, smart enough to be, you know, even now within the confines of the pandemic doing as much as she can do to support the movie and her performance and whatever. But if if it was glad handing, I think she would have easily won uh, out of this group. She's she's she and Seyfried are doing a lot of it and would have been doing even more. I mean, yeah. I disagree only because I feel like it's so wild that she got nominated in the first place. Like not because I I love this performance. I would actually Grace do switch Viola and her because I think she belongs in lead. Um, she makes this film. She has to do so much at once, and it's like hard to compare her to the rest. Because what she's doing is so different. Like, she has to play the text. She has to play the meta text. She has this emotional arc. She has raunchy physical comedy. Like, it's just, it's such an incredible performance on so many levels that it's just, 
I feel like it belongs in its own category or something. But that all said, I was shocked this happened. Like, I really didn't think this was going to happen because, you know, this isn't Melissa McCarthy or Joan Cusack. And those are very much less broad, sort of raunchy, mockumentary, partially improvised villains. Right. Um, so I'm super happy for her. I She's my number two in this category. And she might be my number one in Best Actress if that were to happen. But again, like, this is just seems so against the grain for the Academy to even be nominating her that I'm just so happy that that happened. And it, I, she is very charming in all these Zooms. I think that has played to some degree uh, into how far she made it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think in an in-person year, there's no way she would have lost the Globe, um, which she, I think, would have gotten her at least the chance to give a speech. I don't know. We'll never know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the chain of events will happen. Scott, what do you think, since you talk to voters a lot, what do you, why, why do you think they resist comedy so much? I, you know, it's, it just is not, they, I think there's always been a sense that the Oscars are about important, quote unquote, important things. And comedy is usually not making it usually off, you know, not, doesn't always have something to say about the world. This one, of course, actually, and I think this is not a coincidence why Sasha has been really hammering home at all of his appearances that, you know, this movie was directly made to respond to the threat of Trump being reelected and to sort of expose people and undercut that. And look, she the, the, the one scene that everybody in the world was talking about, which very well may have moved the needle, was the Giuliani scene. So, um, yeah, we were saying it's like pretty it's pretty unbelievable that we might we might to some degree owe a Brit and a Bulgarian for sparing us from another four years of that. <laughs> thing i have to say like we love like straight male allyship like sasha baron cohen literally nonstop has been like it's her movie it's her movie stop talking to me it's her movie you know what i mean i mean and he's the one who did it but i appreciate so much someone sticking up for her in that kind of way because um absolutely and everyone's talking about him because of the trial of the chicago men um but like i (laughs) um I I just love finally that again, we're getting like some recognition for a comedic performance. Peter, I totally agree with you that this should have been swapped. Um, and because it truly is uh, a, a, a best actress uh, nomination for sure. But also like, yeah, she did all, she did so much work. It, it wasn't just here is your script and then do the work. She had to do so much more and it was so shocking and incredible. And anytime there's, uh, you know, people that aren't exactly like completely American English speaking uh, people. I think that because of the weird year we're in, we're actually given a lot more opportunity to see these people. I don't know always what their press agents are going to do with them. Uh, but, you know, like Yoon and her are not the same as everybody nominated in this category. And I don't know that they would get the couch time on Jimmy Fallon that the other women would have gotten. So I kind of appreciate that we're in this weird year because we're getting to see them a lot more and we have the ability to have an interpreter on a Zoom with her. We have, you know, all of these other great opportunities. So I, I appreciate that they're being treated the same way as everyone else in this uh, in this strange pandemic year of nominations. So I'm pumped about it. Uh, I, I think that uh, your point about Sasha, you know, really pointing to her consistently is a great point um, because that's when I started to believe this was going to happen actually is the way he was always redirecting attention to her. Cause it reminded me a lot of the Roma campaign where Quran, every yes. single chance, every time he was asked about anything, it became about the two actresses and, 
and that and then the shock on nomination morning and i was like that's because he did that at least partially that's because he did that every time he was interviewed i mean could there be more of a kind of cinderella story narrative than maria was literally i think just out of film school in bulgaria and the whole thing that which she has said a lot of times and i mean sometimes that can that can literally move uh voters i think that um you know, she, she's, it's a, it's a very sweet story and she's been extremely um, just humble and gracious about the whole, that, the you know, she, in the same way that Sasha's thrown so much uh, attention to her, you know, she's explained that he, he mentored her through this and she was, um, I, I just think there, I think there is going to be a degree of a, a certain number of people who will be like, what an, just what an amazing story. Let's keep this thing going. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully it results in other roles because, yeah. It does seem like a huge question mark. What's going to happen with her next? I think she's I just can't. at work. Yeah, she's on her next movie. My, my, my I can't have this be a Marissa Tomei moment. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I just can't let that be this for <laughs> us comedic women. I just can't. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, my, my big fear with her right now is that she's going to get typecast in all these really bad comedies. Um, my hope is that she will say great I got the Oscar nomination for this. Um, my career has been kickstarted through this. I don't want this to be what defines me. And I hope she, whatever she does next is completely different. And I want it to be in a way that people watch whatever she does next, kind of like going from Olivia Coleman in the favorite to the father. And people are like, wait, that's the, that's the Borat girl. I want people to say that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So that's what I'm, that's what I hope that she does because then I think that she'll be able to forge her own path. Whereas I just keep getting this really bad fear that Hollywood is going to try and pigeonhole her into all these comedies and big studio type films. And yeah, well, Matt, I think she's, I think right now she's working on a Judd Apatow movie. I feel good because he's involved. Like I feel, I feel like he'll take care of her, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll that, see. That worries me a little. Do you know what it's about? Yeah, it's like because- called the bubble and it's about a film set trying to be COVID conscious or whatever, like really? that's what about, which makes me oh. a little nervous. Cause I'm also very nervous about any kind of content that's going to come about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, who wants to relive this once we're <sighs> through with it? It's been a whole year of this. If anybody's well, written a damn play about this pandemic, burn it, please. I right. do not want to see it on stage. Stop. <laughs> Change it. Yeah. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, well, uh, we have to wrap things up. Um, Yun Yoo Jung won our vote, so she's the winner of the SmackDown. So we'll see what happens on Oscar night. Um, but uh, we always close with this little tidbit, uh, like to fantasy rearrange the casting, just because when you cast a different actor in a, in a role, it completely changes your perceptions of the character. And it just shows you how important casting is and how gifted actors can be. So who would, of these five women switch their roles around what would really fascinate you who wants to start i this just brought to my mind but i'd love to see what olivia coleman does in borat i i think she has the guts for it i think she would commit uh yeah i now i'm fascinated i mean it would be more of a sister than a daughter but you know uh but she does have the comedic yeah no she's funny yeah Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Huh. 
That's the first one that came into my mind. That was my answer, too, because I don't really want to put any of these women in Manker Hill of Billy Elegy. Um, <laughs> and I don't think anybody could do what some of them do. So I don't I don't know what my runner up would be. Um, maybe Maria Bakalova and the father just see if we can young make her role younger and see what she's capable of. And this the way that we were sort of talking that we hope comes of her career. And a crazy note on that. Maria Bakalova, her other movie this year was called The Father. <laughs> right. A Bulgarian movie. Right. right. It's an SEO nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, Yoo Jung Young as Mama? <laughs> hey, I can see it. I mean, in another world. Right. I mean, right. right. <laughs> yikes. I would, I would die to see Maria in Mank. Uh, to be frank, would love that. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Like, I... It would be interesting to see her play uh, something more grounded and like reality, even though make is partially about how false, false reality. Um, but also, I, Yoon Jung Yoon could be in a stage adaptation of The Father. Like, guys, oh, we totally. could see that. And, yeah. and um, honestly, I might produce gen- that. <laughs> gender flip it. Yes, the mother. Oh. I could totally well, see that. I, Let's I, have I, the whole I, cast of Minari do it, do it and like a... And on that note, truly, Alan Kim was robbed of the nomination. That could be a whole other thing, and I will I will stand that forever. Alan Kim deserved a nomination, a la Tatum O'Neill. It should have happened and should have won, I'm just saying. <laughs> Matt, how about you? I, I think I have to go with um, wanting to see Amanda Seyfried as Mamwa, because... <laughs> There's just something about some of her monologues in that movie where it's like, put any actress in there doing some of that dialogue, you know, like, you would have to just just step in! And I'm just like, oh my god, like, she's dialing it up to 11 right now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Eyes bulging out of her head, the veins are popping, I'm just like, what actresses do I want to see just go to those lengths? <laughs> hey, I could see Olivia Coleman pulling that off, too. Do anything. We've, we've all I was going to say, yeah, yeah. She's Yeah. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us on Supporting Actress Smackdown. This is a lot of fun to discuss with uh, brilliant people, as always. Um, so uh, once again, Peter, Kanet, thank you for joining us. Uh, where can the listeners hear you or find you? Um, they can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Peter Kanet, K-N-E-G-T. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. And uh, Matt Neglia? Uh, you can all follow me at Next Best Picture on every social media platform there is. And I just want to say thank you, Nathaniel, for having me here and everyone else that participated. Ooh. You were all so lovely, insightful, and amazing. So uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, Jorge Molina? Uh, yes, thank you for having me. This was a delight. Uh, worth waking up early on a Sunday morning. <laughs> um, yeah, I am on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Color Me Jorge. And you can find my podcast just to be nominated everywhere podcasts are released uh, and on Twitter and Instagram at JTBN podcast. And that's that season's wrapping up right away, right? Uh, no, we actually we're about halfway done. We're releasing oh, bi-weekly episodes. So, um, yeah, we we just released episode four and there's nine episodes. So, oh, OK, still, so you'll be wrapping up right after the Oscars or a few yes, weeks after the Oscars. A few weeks after, you know, in case you're craving still some content after the all had that down. <laughs> right. And uh, Scott Feinberg. Yeah, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Nice to be with you all. Um, my 
coverage is at THR.com slash the race and awards chatter on any podcast platform and Scott Feinberg on Twitter. Thank you. And Grace Saki. Yeah, this was really fun. Thank you for letting me be the resident woman on the supporting actress SmackDown. I love this. Uh, thank you guys so much. This was really insightful. And I think this is how we grow as people and critics and whatnot is having these conversations. Um, you can find me all the time at It's Grace Saki on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, my podcast, Tell Me on a Sunday, uh, season two comes out very soon. So thank you so much. This is great. And you are a performer. So when, like with the COVID and everything, when do you hope to be back on stage? <laughs> Um, I know that I have a solo show performance coming up in September that'll be uh, streamable, which is exciting. It's a solo show called um, To Free a Mockingbird. Um, It is not about Scott Rudin, but God, I wish it were. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, look out for that. And um, of course, yes, we'll all follow each other. It'll be great. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, everyone.